Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Kavaza, and for today, we do get into a conversation, um, you know, with uh, the global uh, telecommunications body that is the GSMA, and we're just going to be chatting, you know, around, um, you know, some of, uh, you know, some of uh, their, their, their policy thrusts, and, you know, just to understand a little bit, you know, around what's going on there. To make uh, to make a sense of everything that's going on, we are joined uh, by Caroline Bugwa, who is the head of uh, the State uh, Commendation Director of uh, Public Policy for Sub- uh, Sub-Saharan Africa at uh, GSMA. Caroline, greetings to you today. Thank you, thank you, and uh, good afternoon, or good morning, good evening. Now, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we're very happy to be chatting with you today. Um, you know, GSMA is a body uh, that uh, we've actually um, had on this uh, on this platform. Um, you know, on a number of occasions, I think you know. Recently, we spoke to to Ashley. Um, you know, who is the head of financial inclusion and agritech for uh, GSMA. So right now, we're happy to be having this one with you. So. I I guess before we delve too deeply, just a sense on your side. We we read, um, you know, what some might see as a, quite a lengthy, um, you know, title that you have there, the GSMA. Maybe insight into the type of work that it is that you guys are doing. Thank you, thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to be here um, to just give this kind of information. As you rightfully mentioned, the GSMA is an association of mobile operators, and. Um, Our key objective is to engage with various stakeholders in the region, and uh, this is particularly for the sub-Saharan Africa region to ensure that there is a conducive environment for mobile industry to thrive. And of course, also to ensure that at the end of the day, um, consumers in the region are able to take advantage of connectivity to drive a digital lifestyle. So majority of our engagements will be with the mobile operators themselves, uh, consumers, and of course, governments were key, very key stakeholders to be able to ensure that um, at the end of the day, we are aligned on the various digital transformation strategies that have been sent, set in the region by uh, the different governments. And of course, also regionally by the Africa Union Agenda 2063 that uh, looks to achieve the Africa we want. Now, you guys uh, as GSMA have just come from concluding an annual um, conference that is uh, MWA Africa, the Mobile World Congress, uh, MWC, sorry, uh, Mobile World Congress uh, for Africa that's uh, in Kigali. Um, You know, unfortunately, some of us didn't get to attend, but we were seeing some of the streams of information that were coming out and some of the discussions that were being had either main stage um, on the sidelines you know, of that. And, you know, some of the things that were out, um, you know, I was quite interested in uh, uh, universal service funds in Africa, uh, policy reforms to enhance effectiveness. Just keen to get an understanding of what is it exactly that uh, we're trying to achieve um, you know, from 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 that point of view, because um, for it to be something that um, uh, that GSMA is pushing, there's probably things that you guys have seen in the market that uh, um, you know are then pushing that one forward. 
You're very right. And um, so the Africa Policy Leaders Forum is a session where we put together a platform where policymakers, uh, regulators, mobile industry, and different other ecosystem players come together to be able to deliberate key um, issues in the region that are, that, you know, that we need to work on or we need to look at to be able to progress our digital transformation agenda. So for this particular session on the USF, I think for me to be able to respond to that, we need to take a step back and understand that between 2012 and 2022, the number of people in Africa with mobile broadband access more than tripled, which is a good thing. And this is from 114 million to almost 400 million. But despite this, um, Africa still has the greatest connectivity gap in the world, highlighting the impact of the barriers of mobile broadband adoption that require to be addressed as a matter of urgency, in my view. And as of December 2022, over a billion people in Africa or about 72% of Africa's population were not connected to mobile broadband services. And this accounts to more than a quarter of the total number of unconnected people globally. So with the USF, which is one of the um, tools that can be used to address the connectivity gap, this session focused on various USF reforms, picking up learnings of the different um, USFs that have been launched in the region and looking at how can the USF been adapted to be able to support addressing this connectivity gap that continues to be high in the region to ensure that the Africa region is not left behind in the digital transformation um, that, that we are seeing, the trend that we are seeing globally. Caroline, I'm very interested. Uh, one of the reasons I was quite interested in this and, you know, just going through uh, some of the items that were, you know, being mentioned here, I'm quite reflective of um, another report that GSMA put out. I think it was either earlier this year or late last year, which was around uh, 5G, 5G usage you know, on the continent. And I remember in that particular report, one of the things that was being said is that we can have great, uh, what you call this, we can have great infrastructure in places like, let's say, South Africa um, and other countries when it comes to mobile networks. But it's quite another thing to then have people actually using um, the, the the those networks because devices and device costs and that type of thing uh, remain a huge challenge to even bring people into the world, um, you know, of connectivity. Um, so just understanding the fact that there are these gaps, there does seem to be a narrative, you know, um, where people say that, oh, but the African continent is so connected on the mobile, they skipped all of these other phases, and then you then have these reports and this data that comes out from um, GSMA to say that actually, when you look at things on the ground, there are huge connectivity gaps. So then the question then becomes, you know, um, where, where is the disconnect? Because um, depending on who you listen to, you might think that everyone on the mobile on the African continent has a mobile phone, is using mobile money, and that type of thing. Right. You bring up a very critical uh, component of this. When we talk about the connectivity gap that I, re I just mentioned, we split it into two. There's the coverage gap, and this is uh, individuals that are actually covered, that are not covered by mobile broadband services at all in the region. And service providers' investment in network infrastructure over the last decade have reduced the coverage gap 
for mobile broadband network in Africa from 56% in the population in 2012 to 13% by the end of 2022. While the decrease shows significant progress in extending connectivity across Africa, nearly 200 people in the region today live in areas not covered. So we still do have um, a good proportion of people that are not covered by mobile broadband services. But the biggest problem, which is what you've just mentioned right now, is the usage gap. And this is what we define in the GSMA as individuals that are covered by mobile broadband services, but do not use this service. And this is of course, technology from 3G, 4G, up to 5G, as you rightfully mentioned, as we launched in our various report. And as of December 2022, more than 800 million people, equivalent to three in five, live in areas covered by a broadband network in Africa, but do not subscribe to broadband services, mobile broadband services. And all this is information that we can be able to find in our state of mobile internet connectivity report that we also launched uh, recently. And if you'd like a copy, our communications team here can be able to share that with you. So delving a, a bit deeper on the main concern, which is the usage gap, we need to understand the barriers that have led to the low adoption of mobile broadband services, despite the service being available. And Further research that we have conducted identify key barriers of mobile broadband services and the first one being affordability. This is affordability of both service and smart devices. So this is something that would require to be addressed by different players in the ecosystem. So governments, uh, mobile service providers, among others. And one of the things that we advocate for here is a reduction of sector specific taxes that would go a long way in reducing the cost of providing services. And of course, at the end of the day, retail pr prices are the consumer for mobile services and of course, also smart devices. Relevant content is one issue. Again, another barrier that um, needs to be addressed. So ensuring there's content that is available in local languages, for instance, or content that citizens in Africa can relate to is very, very critical. We've seen countries like Nigeria, for instance, with a Nollywood making a significant progress with this, or Tanzania also with a very vibrant um, music industry, also making very good progress in ensuring that there is locally available content in the countries or in the region. We've also got digital literacy as a key barrier of mobile broadband adoption, uh, ensuring that different citizens, despite the age and despite the places they live within the country, are have access to digital literacy um, programs that can be able to improve their skills in this space. Because it's one thing being able to have the service available, it's another understanding what you can do with the service and actually how you can go online. We also have challenges around uh, trust, security and trust. So over and over, we have seen progress in um, the growth of the digital space. And similarly, there is uh, also growth in the threat that is in the digital space. But there is need to continue educating consumers and, of course, equipping them with the necessary tools to be able to um, understand or, have, or rather experience trust and security online. So here we are. Uh, primarily focus on cybersecurity and, of course, online safety. And what we advocate for here is the development of um, data protection acts or cybersecurity acts that would be able to provide that safety and security and trust that consumers would need. And, of course, ensuring that these particular policy instruments are harmonized or aligned to various uh, regional uh, instruments. For instance, the Malabo Convention, which came into force this year, after the ratification of, I think, about 16 countries, and this is uh, driven at the Africa uh, Union level. And last but not least, uh, ensuring that we address uh, the, the uh, 
we address an additional uh, broadband broadband adoption uh, barrier, which is um, ensuring that the content, as I mentioned, the content is relevant, and of course also uh, access uh, to supporting infrastructure such as electricity in some of these areas where. You know, once you have the service, the devices are available, there needs to be electricity to be able to charge these devices. So by and large, these are the five key barriers to broadband adoption in the region that we believe need to be addressed over and above ensuring the service is available. Um, Caroline, you've you've mentioned quite a number of things, and uh, you know, um, I'm grateful that you've been as comprehensive as you've been um, in that uh, in giving us that answer. And one of the things I was keen to then get your sense on is a um, it's sort of a chicken versus an egg, um, you know, type of question. You know, uh, one of the a couple of the things that you mentioned is um affordability you mentioned a a um a gap in terms of you know literacy and then you know even having things like power uh to make sure that people have uh, you know the ability to make sustainable use of their devices if we were to let's say address the affordability piece and you know you do get devices into people's hands um this is you know my own thinking and um and I'm here to be corrected do you not think that that might go well in terms of uh, trying to push up the other levers because if at least people have devices in their hands then um you firstly get people actually curious about how to use um their devices on the one hand and then at the same time depending on where where things are if there's a coverage gap of any kind you might then um you know if there is demand and network operators can see that people have the devices and could potentially use their networks then maybe they could either upgrade or install infrastructure either in areas where there's missing gaps or perhaps update maybe there's an area where your limit on coverage is at 3g maybe that would then push up you know, to 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 four G um, on on that side, and usually where there's demand on that side, people then come through with power solutions. I guess all I'm trying to do is this. It's a very complex web that you've just spun for us, and I'm just trying to think to myself: if we if we were to address this holistically, what's a good place to start? And I've given my thesis as to you know where to start, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on you know am I on the right path or am I just completely wrong? And there's probably a better approach. You're absolutely right, and. Uh... This is a reason why we had during the session that we had uh, in Kigali, as you mentioned, during the Africa Policy Leaders Forum, we had a particular session 100% dedicated to um, increasing adoption of smart devices in the region. And this was informed by a consumer survey that was done in 2021 that identified uh, affordability as the main barrier of uh, broadband adoption, and even more so affordability of devices for out, out of the consumers that were um, that went through this survey in Kenya, for instance, 44% of them uh, categorized affordability as the highest barrier. Of course, skills uh, coming in at 24%, um, and, and the same we have we also saw in other countries. So, for that reason, we actually even went ahead and did a research in in Kenya, particularly just to understand the issue around device affordability and to understand why 
consumers continue to have challenges in terms of adoption of uh, broadband uh, services. So you're right, device affordability is one place to start. And the main area issue that we normally advocate for is looking at how, what are the various uh, interventions that can be put in place to ensure that devices are affordable. So number one is, of course, reduction of taxes, sector-specific taxes. And Madiwa, the, at the end of the day, I think there is a requirement to have a cocktail of solutions. I don't believe there's one particular one-size-fits-all. It needs to be a cocktail of solutions that can be able to address this. And we've, we've done various uh, research that can be able to identify uh, the impact of reduction of uh, the, the, the addressing the usage gap with various uh, cost of devices. And this is information that we can be able to share with you later. So we've done research that can be able to identify and then demonstrate if you have a $20 device, what percentage of the usage gap would you be able to address $30 device ETC? So for us to be able to achieve a certain level in terms of the cost of the device, various interventions need to be put in place. Number one, the reduction of sector-specific taxes, as I, as I earlier mentioned. Uh, that would support or that would help in improving the, the cost of, of devices because in some countries, this can be really high from import duties, uh, VAT, excise duty, and so on and so forth. Bundling of these uh, of these devices together with other services is, an, is also another area that can be able to support the reduction of cost of this device. So it can be bundled with data services. And this is something we've already seen being done in markets such as Rwanda and Kenya. Rwanda is being done by MTN, and of course in Kenya is being done by, by uh, Safaricom. We have seen a device financing programs. Again, we've seen uh, that launch in various markets. And here, again, is just trying to further reduce the cost of devices uh, to the, at the consumer level to ensure that at the end of the day, we are able to hit as low, as low point as possible in terms of addressing the cost of devices to consumers. So it's a very it's a cocktail of solutions that that needs to be put in place so that we can be able to achieve um the price point that sweet spot that consumers would actually find affordable and of course even as we are addressing the issues of affordability there is also an issue of willingness to pay and this speaks to the features of devices so meaning consumers are co confirming that even as they are looking for affordable devices, they are also keen on ensuring these devices meet a certain standard on the, on the feature. So camera quality, for instance, storage uh, of this, uh, of storage capacity of these devices. Because at the end of the day, when you look at the African continent, we are a young continent with a median age of about 19 years, meaning that at the end of the majority of the uh, consumers of this uh, product, the smart device would be the young population that would um, be very inclined towards video uh, services, video on demand, um, uh, and of course also social media platforms such as TikTok, uh, YouTube, etc. So you need a device that can be functional, that can be able to also uh, provide uh, features that would be able to, to also uh, support this kind of use. So at the end of the day, addressing the affordability of the device and willingness to pay is critical and having a cocktail of solutions that can be able to be implemented to drive down the cost of the device as much as possible.
All right. So that's where we end off. It has been a really great uh, discussion uh, that uh, we've been having with uh, Caroline. Um, I'm certainly keen to to get Caroline back. I think one of the big things that I would love to address uh, with someone with her experience and knowledge is um, from a policy point of view, how do we ensure, uh, not even ensure, how do we gather um together you know if you have different operators you know having particular issues so for example if uh, device affordability is something that we want to push on the african continent what does what central bodies you know do we have in the eu it's it's quite easy for the telecommunications authority to make a rule that all the uh, member countries sort of have to um you know make happen but in a in a in a disparate industry like the one that we have on the African continent? How do you push uh, some of these policy reforms in a way uh, that you can efficiently have all the different regulators and mobile operators um, adhering you know, to some of these um, recommendations? But for today, it was really great understanding you know, just uh, some of the issues uh, that are there because um, you know, contrary to popular belief, um, you know, the mobile phone has done great things uh, for the African continent, but GS uh, SMA just highlighting the fact that there are still many gaps um, when it comes to actually addressing, um, you know, some of those, uh, you know, broadband usage gaps, their coverage gaps and their usage gaps. And for today, we're addressing a lot around uh, the usage gaps, um, lots of issues around uh, device affordability. But one of the big things that Caroline advocates for is to say that there's no one size fits all. And to borrow her words, we need a cocktail of solutions to address such a big issue. So that's been it. We were in conversation uh, with uh, Caroline Bugwa, who is uh, the head of uh, state uh, commendation, director of public policy uh, for sub-Saharan Africa over at GSMA. Caroline, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from us, and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.